Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Last night we saw a vision in chapter 5. We're going to see another one, another sight. Last night we saw John as he saw the Lamb. Again, tonight we're going to see John and something else that he sees. In chapter 5 we saw John. He saw a strong angel and he heard what he said. He saw the sight of the slain Lamb. Tonight we're going to see another angel coming down from heaven with keys. We're going to see a sight of Satan and a sight of a throne, just like John saw a throne in chapter number 5 and 24 thrones. Here, another throne. But now there's a color for the throne, and this is the great white throne. Throughout the week, we've been speaking about the Lord Jesus, and we've been telling you about salvation, how you can be saved. I was talking to Joey about this today, one thing we haven't really emphasized. And this is something that Paul emphasizes in his preaching of the gospel and Peter and others. And so we must emphasize it as well, and it's the judgment to come. If you are not saved, you will be judged, and there is no turning back. Let's read a few verses here from Revelation chapter 20. And I trust that through the power of the word of God, you will be convicted by him, and you will be able to see what lies ahead for you who are not obeying, who are not trusting the word that is being spoken to you. Revelation chapter 20. We'll start reading in verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him John says he saw him that sat on it, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whose face The earth and heaven fled away, 
and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast cast into the lake of fire. There's a reason why I don't preach on this too often. It's a difficult scene. This is a difficult message to give. There are people in this room. You're not saved. And you will be here. You will be there. If you don't believe. Pay attention to the word of God tonight. It's a serious eternal matters. This is your soul. I was thinking today, you know, now, as I've mentioned a few times, just a few things about war. All throughout the book of Revelation, you see war. War in heaven, multiple wars, different battles. Chapter 19, you see a war. Chapter 20, you see, again, another war. You know, throughout history, you can see people that are interested in thousand-year reigns. Depending on which historians you speak to, the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire, lasted between 500 and 1,500 years, depending on how you're counting the dates. Almost, you could say, go in the middle, thousand years, thousand-year reign. But the Roman Empire ended when the Germans came in the 5th century. It ended. It didn't last. The enemy came and they were defeated and the empire closed. There was another empire. And that empire was called the Holy Roman Empire. And the Holy Roman Empire lasted, roughly speaking, between 800 after Christ and all the way to 1800. But another man came, not the Germans this time, but now the French. And Napoleon came. And when Napoleon came, the Holy Roman Empire, it ended. It ended. thousand years. And it was over. There was a man named Adolf Hitler. You know, all of you know about him. Do you know something that we don't talk about or don't hear about very much is that he used to call, and they would call his empire, as he liked to think of it, the Third Reich. They used to call it the thousand-year Reich, the thousand-year reign. Do you know why? Because he thought that it was going to last a thousand years. Years. 
He thought he could change the world with all of his deluded, sick, sadistic ideas. He thought he could change the landscape of humanity. He thought he could make his indelible impression on the history of mankind and that everybody would remember his name and he would be before all men and he himself would be worshipped a thousand years. It was an imitation of what we see in Revelation chapter 20. But those men came, you Americans, thank you, (laughs) MacArthur and Eisenhower and Montgomery from the British. Canada was involved too. My grandfather was there June 6, 1944 on D-Day and they came And later on that year, they dropped that second bomb on Nagasaki, and the war was over. It was was ended. Thousand years. No, they didn't even make it a few years. This is a thousand-year reign. This will last to the end of the the thousand-year reign. We will get to the end of this thousand-year reign, a literal, actual thousand-year reign. The Lord Jesus will come back. He is coming soon. He will come to the earth. He will establish his kingdom, and for one thousand years he will reign in righteousness and no army will be able to come and take him away they try they will try at the end of the tribulation and he will try we'll see this in the in the chapter he will try again at the end of the millennium and neither of those two neither of those two battles neither of those two attempts to take the lord from his throne neither one will work I want to speak to you tonight about judgment to come, but before I do, I'd like to speak to you about the serpent. In this chapter, we see throughout the various verses at least four things about Satan. You know, Satan is deceiving people here tonight. He is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that he has blinded the eyes. And, And there's people in this room whose eyes are blinded by Satan himself. And you might say to me, well, okay, I guess my eyes are blinded. Nothing I can do. Thanks a lot. I'll just carry on with my life with my blinded eyes. You're the one who said it. No, no. The scriptures give this implication. They tell you to believe. And when God tells you to believe, that means you don't have to stay in your state of deception. You don't have to stay blind. You can believe. And when you believe, you will be given sight. God will give you the sight. And you will see. And you will be saved. Satan is a great deceiver. We see it in one of these verses here. Verse number two, it says, They laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. You see, Satan is subtle. We're going to see later on in the chapter that Satan is not only subtle, but Satan is, he's stealthy. He's stealthy. He likes to, he likes to come behind the scenes. He likes to change your mind and different ways. We'll we'll see later on in the chapter that Satan will be spurned. There's a group of people, and we're going to see them. He will be spurned by this group of people. They will say no, and they will live. And towards the end, we're going to see that Satan will be subdued. He will be subdued. I want to tell you just for a few minutes, just, just give me just a few minutes to tell you about Satan's subtlety. Four different names here. You see, it says about Satan that he is, number one, the dragon. The dragon speaks to me about a sadistic person, sadism. You know, Satan is a dragon because he likes to see people suffer. And he likes to see people suffer on earth and later on in hell. Joey and I, this is hard to speak about. Joey and I were in the car today and we saw a man on his bike. And I spoke, Joey deals with these kinds of people. He was very clearly mentally ill. Very obvious to us inside of the car, obvious to the people around, inside of their cars, by the way he was behaving, very obvious. I said, Joey, what, what's going on? What, 
kind of diagnosis. Obviously, he couldn't diagnose on the spot, but obviously very mentally ill. Did you know that Satan enjoys that? He's sadistic. He enjoys watching people suffer. He wants to see you suffer. He wants to see you in hell. Satan wants to watch you burn for all eternity. That's what he wants. He's the dragon. It says here he's not only the the dragon, he is the old serpent. Oh, the subtlety of Satan. He comes in and he comes in behind the scenes. I have a friend who's who's an expert on on this old book called Paradise Lost by uh, Mr. Milton. And, and I asked him a question the other day because I'm trying to make my way through it little by little. It's a difficult book, not easy, not easy reading. But Satan says in this book, fictional character in the book, he's real, we know. He says in the book to his fellow fallen angels, to the other fallen angels, he says this. He says, it's better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. You know, Satan is, is subtle because he's deceptive. He is deceptive. Those fallen angels are deceived. Satan himself is deceived, and he wants to deceive you. He wants you to believe him, and he wants you to believe him to such a degree that you would even believe that lie, that it's better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. That is not true. It's a deception. It's a lie. Don't believe him. It says he's the dragon. He's the old serpent. It says he's the devil. You know, Satan is that one who comes and he, he's an accuser. He's a slanderer. He slanders Christians. He, he'll slander you. He'll say he's your friend. He'll befriend you in some way or another. But he will slander you behind your back. It says more. There's a lot to get through. It says that he's Satan. Satan is one who accuses. He will accuse you. Satan is not your friend. I know Satan is a fictional character. We're coming up to Halloween. You see these horror movies that give people nightmares, but they go back and back for the shock effect to watch these movies. And Satan is made little of out in the world. You have to give respect to Satan in this sense that he is real and he is powerful and he will deceive you. And he is working in the world today so that you will not be saved. I'm so glad what we can read in the rest of this chapter, because we read how Satan will be subdued later on in the chapter. There's a victory. Christ has already conquered sin and death. In a sense, Satan has already been bound. He will be bound again with this great chain for those thousand years, and he will be destroyed. But today, today, as Peter says, Satan goes about as a roaring Lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look later on, not, not just these titles of Satan. We, we see his subtlety, but you can see down here, it says that he will be cast into the bottomless pit and he will be shut up and there will be a seal on him. And it says right here that he should deceive the nations no more. I, I was just thinking about this today, the different ways that Satan deceives I'd like to get into your minds tonight. I don't want to know your secrets, but I want to get into your mind tonight because I know that there are people here who are being deceived by Satan. You know how he deceives you? He'll deceive you, first of all, with ambiguity and nuance. 
So people like to say about the Bible, well, it's kind of ambiguous. Can you really know? Joey's been telling us about that all week long. Yes, you can know. This is true. It is absolutely 100% rock solid, something you can stake your life on. But the world says ambiguity, nuance, and you need to nuance it a little bit. Just massage it a little bit. Just change it. It's rough around the edges. Let's smooth that off. Let's bring in ideas from here and ideas from there. It's kind of ambiguous. I don't know. Will there be a heaven? Will there be a hell? You think that? You think that tonight? Maybe you're not so sure. Hell, that's a long time. Oh, that's pretty cruel. I don't know. I don't know. Heaven, I mean, really? Heaven? Uh, All that time just worshiping God and the ambiguity and the new... Maybe it's something else. Maybe, Maybe everybody will be saved. Ambiguity... And nuance. You know how else Satan deceives? Time and health. Satan deceives young people, especially this way. He tells you, you have a lot of time. Oh, I have time to be saved. I'm 15. I'm 16. I'm 17. I'm 25. I'm 32. I have time. I have time. I'm going to wait till I retire. I'm going to wait till I get my first job. Wait till I'm done school. Wait till I'm done high school. Wait till I'm done primary school. I'm going to wait. I have time. No, you don't. I have health. I'm healthy today. Ask some people in the room who've gone through health problems. They'll tell you, no, no, you have your health today, but tomorrow it could be gone, gone. And you'll be asking yourself, where did my health go? You don't have time. You don't know if you have health. Satan deceives through ideas and through doctrines. You know, I've mentioned Mexico quite a few times. It's obvious why. But there's this horrible idea in Mexico. It's not just in Mexico. I'm not picking on Mexicans. I'm a Mexican myself. It's not just in Mexico. It's all over the world. But one of the things that people teach, have taught people in Mexico is this, that after you die, there's another chance. And the chance is this place called purgatory. You know what they do? When you go to a funeral in Mexico, you'll go up, you go up to the casket. I've seen this many times, all the funerals we've gone to. You walk up to the casket and you see the person there and it's surrounded by all the family. And as you see the family surrounding the casket, they're praying and they're sitting there and they're talking. And, and for nine whole days, they pray. And they come back and they pray and they pray. It's called a novenario. Nine whole days. You know what they're doing? They're praying so that God will have mercy on this soul so that he can go from purgatory up to heaven. He's kind of in a holding cell. He's kind of in, he's just in that little prison cell right now. But if we pray enough, then he'll get to heaven. It's not true. It's not true. There's no second chance. Satan deceives with ambiguity. He deceives with nuance. He'll deceive with time and health. He will deceive with ideas. He will deceive with false doctrines. It is not true. He is deceiving you. It says here, those are beautiful words, aren't they? He will be shut up. He will be sealed up so that he will deceive the nations no more. No more. Do you know that's on a future day? That's on a future day. You can be saved today from that deception. You don't have to wait till then. That will be too late for you. 
You can be saved today from that deception. Why? Because you have been hearing the truth all week long. There are people in this crowd tonight. You've sat here every night and you have heard about Christ. You've heard about his death on the cross. You've heard about the resurrection. You know that it's true. You know that he's gone to heaven. You know he's coming back, but you have not rested on it. You can be saved from the deception of time that you don't have. From these deceptions, you can be redeemed. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Don't wait till it's too late. Believe on the Lord Jesus tonight, and you will be saved. Let's keep going, because there's more that it says about Satan. It says later on in the chapter, chapter 5, all the way down to verse 11. I'm not going to go through every phrase and clause in in this section, but I really want to emphasize this. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, but blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second in death hath no power, but they shall be priests in God of Christ. It says in verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. And then it tells us exactly how he did it. Going over to verse 10, it says the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. There are people who will go through this time. They will see the deception that Satan has and the the power that he has to deceive, but they won't believe. It gives three reasons why they won't believe. I want to impress these three reasons on you tonight. Try to remember these. It's in the, it's in the, the alliteration is right here. Remember these three words. They start with W. Number one, they didn't, they weren't deceived because of the word. Number two, they weren't deceived because of the witness. Number three, they weren't deceived because of their worship, because of the word of God, because of their witness, because of the, the worship. All throughout history, we've seen martyrs. These are martyrs. They didn't believe Satan. And you see people in Christian history and throughout history that were faced with an ultimatum and they were faced with a grand decision. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue believing or are you going to reject it? If you reject, you can live. If you believe, you die. You know what they chose? They said, I will stake my life on this word right here. This is enough for me. You can take my head. You can take my body, but I will be with Christ. Remember those those young guys that went down to Ecuador? We have people that have been to Ecuador here tonight. Those young guys, they went down to Ecuador. You know, Jim Elliott, one of those guys, he, he considered his life cheap. Do you know why? Because he was thinking of another place where he was going to go after he died. After he died. He said these words. I think most of you would know them. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot died. He died as a martyr. They took his life, a wife, young children. Do you know why? Do you know why he went, why he risked his life? Because there was something greater. He wouldn't be deceived. He didn't believe the lie. He understood this life isn't everything there is. There are young people in this room tonight, and you are thinking, I have time. You're thinking, I have health. You're thinking, maybe it's not true. You're thinking, maybe there's another chance. You're thinking, maybe there's another way. You're thinking something. 
Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Satan is attempting. He's trying. He wants to. He wants to blind you. He wants you to be in hell. Do not be deceived. Do you know why? Because later on in the chapter, it says there in chapter 20, not only is he subtle, not only is he stealthy, not only was he spurned by these people here, but it says at the end of chapter 20, it says that he was subdued. He was subdued. You know what happens? It's amazing. I encourage you to read the book of Revelation. It's amazing. This is going to happen on a future day. When he is subdued, he's subdued in this way. He gets all the people that he can. He's released from that bottomless pit. And he goes out into the world. And he goes to look for people. And he rallies his troops. And he gets his armies together. And he takes them up to the great and holy city of Jerusalem. And what he does is he tries to finally end the thousand year reign of Christ. You know, the Americans had the atomic bomb. We Americans (laughs) had the atomic bomb to end Hitler's reign. You know, Satan tried. He tried to go in there and he tried to end the reign of Christ. Fire came down from heaven. There was no fight. There was no struggle. God is not subservient to Satan. Fire came from heaven and he was eliminated. And then it says he was cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet already were. And there he will be. And he will be tormented day and night. You know what the scariest, one of the scariest things for me is when I read this, I have children and they're not saved. They're not here today. They're not saved. People in this room, you're not saved. That place was created for the devil and his angels. But at the end of this chapter, we're going to learn something. It doesn't just speak about the judgment of Satan. It speaks about the judgment of sinners. Right here at the end of the chapter, it says that there's a solemn assize. What does that mean? That just means that there's a, there's a time when people are going to meet God. I trust, I hope, it is my prayer for every person in this room. We're, we're, I trust you see that we're sincere. And every person in the room tonight, parents and, and loved ones and people that know you and, and others who are your friends, they don't want you to be there. But this was, this was prepared for Satan. And if you are not saved, you will be there if you die in your sins. It says this, I saw the dead. Remember in chapter 5, John saw the Lamb. Oh, and the, the 24 elders, they sang that song. And they sang the wondrous worship about the Lamb who was slain and who by thy blood has redeemed us to God. What a beautiful song. John saw something horrible here at the end of chapter 20. He sees something else. He says, I saw the dead. Saw the dead. Joey and I, we went up to a door today. And, you know, it's getting close to that time. There were two, two skeletons. <laughs> were real. You know, it shook me. It shook me. I was thinking about this chapter, and I was thinking about those when their body is in the grave, decomposing. Their souls, their souls are in eternity. Where are you going to be? 
Where are you going to be? Where will your soul rest? Listen to what John says. He saw the dead, small and great. They stood before God. The books were opened. The word of God. The works of the sinners. And the book of life. These books were opened. And another book was opened. One of those three. The book of life. And those things which were written. Sorry. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell were delivered up. And the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The second Death. The second declaration of your sins. There's no second chance. There's no second chance. It says every single person who is not saved, their lives will be bare before God. All their works will be before him. All their unforgiven sins. Naked before the God of heaven. And as he sees those sins, there's only one thing he can do. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Remember last night, Revelation 5. I asked you a question. I'm going to be there. All who are saved, we're going to be there. We will worship the king. We'll worship the lamb. I'm going to ask you the same question. Last night I asked if you will be there. I want to ask you again. Will you be here? I won't be there. I'm not going to be there. Christ died for me. He shed his blood for me. My sins are all forgiven. My name is in the book of life. Is your name there? Will you stand before him? Will you be judged? Will you be cast into the lake of fire? And stay there for the ages of ages, for all eternity. For time cannot be counted. If you are not saved tonight, you will be there. Trust in the Lord Jesus. You don't need to go there. It's unnecessary. It's all being done. Christ has died. Salvation is open. The offer goes to all. You can be saved tonight. Do not be deceived. But believe. And you will be saved. Let us pray.